0: This Government Matters podcast is sponsored by Hughes Network Systems. It's time to expect more from your network.
1: Today on Government Matters, the Office of Management and Budget is focusing on improving digital experience for taxpayers and rethinking the government's technology, strategy, and investments. Federal CIO Claire Martirano shares her goals to prioritize customer experience for the American taxpayer. And... The Made in America office passes its first anniversary. We speak with the first-ever director of the office about the accomplishments so far and how she's planning to advance initiatives to support American manufacturing. Government Matters starts right now.
0: From Washington, D.C. and around the world, this is Government Matters with Mimi Gerges.
1: This is Government Matters, the only show covering the latest news trends and topics that matter to the business of government. I'm Mimi Gerges. The Office of Management and Budget oversees the implementation of the president's priorities across the executive branch. One of those priorities is digital modernization at federal agencies. The goals being enhanced security, cost savings and efficiency, and in the end, a better experience for Americans interacting with the government. The person leading that effort is Claire Martirana. She is the federal chief information officer. Claire, welcome to the program.
2: Thank you so much for having me, Mimi. It's a pleasure to be here. So
1: first, give me a general idea of OMB's role in strengthening IT modernization efforts across federal agencies.
2: OMB has a very unique role because we have a whole of government role. Um, We work with all federal agencies on their budgets, on um, uh, cybersecurity, on information technology modernization, and we support uh, the federal workforce. So OMB uh, has a unique role and um, really focusing on delivering exceptional services to the American people.
1: So the foundation of effective use of technology really is security. What is OMB doing to advance cybersecurity throughout the federal government?
2: Well, cybersecurity is a priority of the Biden-Harris administration. Um, to really meet the moment that we are in, right? Staying ahead of our adversaries, uh, you know, being united across government um, to make sure that we're securing our systems, our data, and our services. We are working as a team. Um, it is really exciting to be part of this effort. Um, we are working with the National Cyber Director, CISA, NSC. Um, agency CIOs and CISOs and the c-suite of every single agency to make sure that cybersecurity is a key focus and that resources that we have in government are utilized um, and that we can help support agencies no matter where they are in their own journey.
1: And what about implementing zero trust architecture how much progress have agencies made
2: uh, so far on that? Well, the president um, issued a cyber executive order this spring, and we are getting ready at OMB to deliver our zero trust strategy. And and simplistically, that means never trust, always verify. So if you think about cybersecurity in a way, you can think of it, um, the older model was something like a medieval castle, build the walls as big and tall and thick as you can, and no one can get inside our adversaries are clever um, and there is no wall that is perfect enough to keep us secure and so the zero trust strategy really gives agencies a roadmap map um, and getting them where they need to be in this new security paradigm
1: and how far along have they gotten uh, on that do you feel like it's they've they've made enough progress
2: we are making extraordinary progress across the government, but we're at the beginning of the journey. Um, we really have built this zero trust strategy with input from uh, experts, academia, the private sector, government agencies, um, really working together on these challenges, but it's a journey, you know. very similar to IT modernization. You can't, um, flip a switch or buy a product that solves all your problems. It's really um, working with each agency, meeting them where they are, and making sure that um, we have the right technical teams to be able to support uh, our federal environment.
1: You're the chair of the Technology Modernization Board, which evaluates project proposals for the Technology Modernization Fund. There was another billion dollars allocated through the American Rescue Plan in March 2021. Um, So far, you've given out about 300 million, I understand. Can you describe the purpose of the fund and how you evaluate proposals?
2: yeah thanks for that question tmf is really exciting Um, so far under the american rescue plan um uh uh, uh, funding our demand outstrips supply by two and a half times Um, and we accelerated when agencies needed to deliver proposals so if you think about that it really does impact When you think about the entire federal enterprise it shows how much pent-up demand there is for it modernization dollars so what we do um, is we think of ourselves as strategic investors we don't um this uh, tmf does not replace appropriations it complements appropriations and what we try to do is get technologists up front in the process so that we are able to review proposals give guidance back to agencies. And the key thing that is really differentiating the way that we're implementing um, the TMF is we are working on scaling this across government. So when one agency moves out on a project, let's say they are starting and trying to determine their zero trust architecture, we learn from that, we develop playbooks, we share that information across the federal enterprise with our CIOs and CISOs. Um, And we really see that this fund is a catalyst. Um, It doesn't replace the annual process that all agencies go through, but it really can have a catalytic impact on us making progress faster and delivering better outcomes.
1: All right, Claire, we'll take a quick pause right here and then we'll be back. Coming next, we speak more with federal CIO, Claire Martirana about her goals to make better use of data and enhance customer experience. Stay with us. Welcome back. I'm speaking with Claire Martirana. She's the Federal Chief Information Officer. Claire, um, we're talking about the Technology Modernization uh, Fund, and I'm wondering if you think that the allocated funding is enough to accomplish the goals it was intended for.
2: Uh, I think it is um, enough for the moment, but it does not solve all of our problems. As I said, the demand outstrips the fund by about two and a half times, and we know that we did not get um, proposals in from every agency. So um, we have a long way to go uh, as far as modernization goes across government, but I feel like uh, the American Rescue Plan um, funding for uh, the TMF is a really great uh, way for us to work together um, and try a different model try something um, that we hope will have significantly improved outcomes um, so that we continue to get uh, funding towards these really important efforts
1: so then what do you think are the biggest hurdles for agencies modernizing their it enterprise
2: Um, every agency is at a different place in their journey right we have um, Uh, challenges dealing with COVID, right? COVID taught us an enormous amount about how our business operations run and how technology is an enabler for our agency missions. And in many places, we are coming up short and we have a real opportunity, um, both with this moment that we're in with COVID and with emergency um, funding like the American Rescue Plan to really look hard at these issues Um, and try and create a path forward, um, which I'm excited about uh, participating in.
1: Well, you know, improving um, digital modernization and cybersecurity are all priorities for the administration. In addition to that, improving digital facing services for the American public is a priority for this administration. How's your office working towards that?
2: Uh, This has been a really cross governmental effort. Um, we recognize people are often frustrated when they interact with the government. Our job as technologists is to meet people where they are and help get them what they need, Um, whether it's answering a question digitally, on the phone, in person. Our job is to help um, the American public interact with the government safely and securely and have a good experience when doing it.
1: I wanna ask you about the role of data across government because it's something, you know, the federal government has plenty of data, but isn't necessarily using it to its full potential to inform decision-making. So what are the gaps you're seeing in the
2: way agencies use and analyze data? Thank you for that question. I I fancy myself a bit of a data nerd. Um, We have so much data in government, but it is in silos. Um, Sometimes we don't even have the ability in one agency to share data between programs that would significantly increase uh, the uh, American public's interaction with that agency. So we are working really hard um, to create products and services that uh, harness the data that we have, but to protect it as we go, to deliver a more responsive government for the public. that is a really critical part of uh, a, a customer service executive order that we um, just rolled out, is focusing on how we can responsibly um, use data and ensure privacy and security.
3: Tell me
1: a little bit more about that, how you're, um, you're working with agencies to develop that use of data and then how it will ultimately benefit the American taxpayer.
2: Yeah, the customer experience executive order um, puts customers at the center of every single thing that we do. So as agencies are developing their plans, it really gives us a mandate to put the customer at the front of the queue. Um, It is really, again, it goes to the point that every single agency is at a really unique um, individual place in their own journey. So we're starting sharing learnings, sharing there are some agencies that are a little bit further ahead and they've done journey mapping for example they understand how their customers move through their business processes and how they are delivered service so we're using those learnings human-centered design um, designing our services with our customers not for them Um, and i think that is going to significantly improve the way that we deliver services to the american people
1: Claire, I want to ask you about recruiting efforts for IT professionals in government. I know you're also trying to get younger workers into the federal workforce. How
2: are you doing that? There are so many efforts going on across government. Um, For folks that are in earlier stages of their career, um, uh, the US Digital Corps, um, there's Presidential Innovation Fellows, the United States Digital Service, um, the Technology Transformation Service, 18F, Presidential um, management felt there's all kinds of activity going on. There are great jobs for folks at all stages of their career in government. Um, I would say the best place to start is go to USA Jobs. When you look at the depth and breadth of opportunities on USA Jobs, it really does give you a bit of a perspective into how agencies are moving out on many of these technology and digital modernization efforts.
1: And there's a huge demand for cybersecurity professionals throughout the country, but also within the government. I wonder what impact have those job openings been having on operations at federal agencies? Um,
2: I have not seen federal agencies fall down on the job at all during COVID. I've actually seen extraordinary efforts by agencies to meet the moment um, provide services to their employees, as well as to the people that we serve, um, but it is hard. Um, there are There's definitely some fatigue um, in the workforce, and we are constantly looking at ways that we can improve hiring so that we can onboard people faster, that we can um, really meet this moment um, because it's critical.
1: All right, well, Claire, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for being on the program. Thanks
2: so much, Mimi. appreciate it.
1: Coming next, Made in America is celebrating its first anniversary as a federal initiative. Straight ahead on Government Matters, we talk with the leader of the office about our next steps. We'll be right back. In his first week in office, President Biden launched a whole-of-government initiative to support American manufacturing. That executive order led to the creation of the Made in America office, which just celebrated its one-year anniversary. Celeste Drake is the first director of Made in America at OMB. Celeste, welcome to the program. Thanks, Mimi. It's great to be here. So break down for us what's meant by Made in America. Is it that the product is made on American soil? Do the workers have to be American? You know, what about components that might be made overseas?
4: That's a great question. So for the purposes of Buy American, which is the law that covers direct purchases by the federal government, what it means is that the product has to be made in America so that final manufacturing process has to occur here and that the components, the cost of the components that go into that must exceed 55% of the cost of all components. So it's a test about where it's made and how much of it is American made. So certainly there can be foreign components in it. And the test does not involve the citizenship of the workers or the owners of the company that sells it to us. And by the way, we're working to increase that 55% up to 75%. So the Bipartisan
1: Infrastructure Law includes a lot of new requirements for Made in America. What are those requirements, and how is your office working with agencies to meet those requirements?
4: The Bipartisan Infrastructure Law includes a provision called Build America, Buy America, and it is the largest increase in the application of Buy America requirements to federal grantees in history. And what it does is it says, if an agency is administering a federal financial assistance program, typically thought of as grants for infrastructure, then the recipients have to buy the components to build that infrastructure from American sources. And that covers American iron iron and steel, manufactured goods, and construction materials. And we are in the process of working with agencies to provide guidance or instructions on what exactly that means, how to implement these new regulations, and by the way, how to work with recipients to grant waivers from these requirements in those cases where Made in America products simply aren't available. You know, I want to ask you about the whole waiver
1: process, but first, can you just give me an idea of how your office steers federal procurement dollars to U.S.-based businesses? What's your role in that process?
4: So, agencies have been using Buy American since the Great Depression. The law came into existence in, in the early But what President Biden has done that's really unique is create this office, the Made in America office, whose sole focus is promoting more domestic sourcing. And so what we do is when an agency seeks to waive that Buy American requirement, they run that waiver by us just so we can provide a level of oversight to ensure that there isn't an American alternative and that every i is dotted and t is crossed in terms of the considerations the agency has to go through when it's issuing a waiver and actually what we're finding is just being here as an added resource to work and provide advice to agencies is really working to reduce the number of waivers so it's a great partnership between the white house and the agencies that are doing the purchasing so let's go back to the idea
1: of the the waivers um your office just Um, issued some guidance for waivers. What's in that guidance and what kind of things would be
4: considered um, a waiver? Sure. So a waiver is just, it's just a term for an exception to the Buy American or Buy America laws. And in June, we issued initial guidance to help agencies understand what we were going to be looking for when we reviewed waivers and to make sure that they knew that they were cataloging all of the right information to send us so that they were going through the right steps to determine if a waiver was needed. And then in November, we actually rolled out the madeinamerica.gov transparency website where the public can see when an agency sends us a waiver for review and they can make comments to say, hey, I think I make this product. Can, can I find out if I can serve this? or plan ahead for future manufacturing. And they can also see what was the final disposition of the waiver, if we determined that it was consistent with Made in America policy or not.
1: And just briefly, Celeste, are you able to measure the
4: impact of your initiatives? So we will be, as we are reviewing these waivers, we are building a database That supplements all the existing information on federal purchases and we're going to be able to measure as we roll out all of these policies and processes. What kind of a difference they're making, but already I can tell you, we have heard from some small businesses that due to President Biden's focus on made in America have for the first time been chosen as contractors with the federal government selling made in America products so. We're, we're already starting to make a difference and we are looking forward to making sure that we have all of the right data to provide an analysis and find out what's working and where we still need to make improvements. All right. Well, Celeste, I appreciate you being on the program with us. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Don't forget, if you miss an episode of Government Matters, it's at govmatters.tv. And find us on social media. Subscribe to us on YouTube, follow us on Facebook or on Twitter at GovMatters TV, and connect with us on LinkedIn at Government Matters Media. Send us your comments about the program. That's the latest from Washington. Join me weeknights at 8 and 10.30 on WJLA 24-7 News and Sunday mornings at 10.30 on 7 News to stay plugged in on issues that matter to the business of government. Thanks for watching. I'm Mimi Gergis.
0: Stay tuned for an interview with our podcast sponsor, Hughes Network Systems.
1: I'm here with Tony Bardo, Assistant Vice President for Government Solutions at Hughes. Tony, welcome. Can you start by just telling me what Hughes does for the federal government?
3: What we do is provide connections. We connect the dots, meaning we use a number of various technologies to connect federal agencies, their locations, their people, in ways that are not traditional. Uh, meaning that the connections that formed the government networks as we know them today and has as we've known them for a lot of years, have been through dedicated facilities, dedicated network facilities. We have been taking this different approach to connecting all of our customers through the use of broadband, originally satellite broadband, but now managed networks and managed broadband services that include cable, include DSL, include wireless, include uh, traditional fiber, and, uh, and satellite, of course.
1: Well, tell me about the HughesNet Gen Five because that's the largest high-speed satellite internet service.
3: It is. It is. It's a very exciting service. We launched it um, back in 2016, and even an earlier version of it, Gen, which was known as Gen Four, that are called high-throughput satellites, and these are satellite services that took satellite And in the absence of terrestrial ground uh, infrastructure that was working, satellite was really critical.
1: All right. Well, Tony, thank you so much. Nice chatting with you.
3: Thank you, Mimi. Nice chatting with you.
0: Thanks for listening. Our Daily Show is produced by Catherine Roloff and Drew Friedman. Our Managing Director is Jerry Foley. Christy Marriott leads our technical crew. Our Web Editor is Beatrix Haddon. Visit GovMatters.tv for articles, videos, and more. Government Matters is recorded at WJLA-TV in Washington, D.C. Copyright Sinclair Broadcast Group.